action. Welcome to Torn Stubs with me, photographer Robert Gershenson, and Josh Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We are continuing our celebration of the best of 21st century queer cinema as we move on to Todd Haynes' 2015 film, Carol. Joshua. It's 1952 and shop girl Therese, played by Rooney Mara, is working behind the counter at a Manhattan department store. Bored and feeling out of place, she spots a glamorous blonde woman across the shop who turns out to be Carol Aird, played by Kate Blanchett, a wealthy shopper who's recently divorced and raising her young daughter. When Therese returns a pair of gloves that Carol left at the store, the two begin spending time together, but with Carol's estranged husband determined to either reunite with Carol or destroy her, it's not long before things start to go wrong. This is an adaptation of a Patricia Highsmith novel from 1952 titled The Price of Salt. And it's kind of interesting that she published it at that time under a pseudonym because she was afraid of being labelled a, I quote, lesbian book writer. Um, And that feeling of being found out and the danger of repercussions and condemnation, I think, sort of resonates through this film. Um, It has this sort of cold but beautiful feeling to it it's quite solemn it's quite melancholy um but my question to you rob is is being gay actually an issue in this film no i was thinking about this before when i was rereading my notes no one seems to struggle with their sexuality yeah carol carol has obviously explored and come to terms with their own sexuality many many years prior to the start of this film so probably sometime in the 40s let's say maybe horge was away at war Mm -hmm. and that left her and abby time to reacquaint and play (laughs) yeah but either therese was fully aware of her own sexuality before carol walked into the toy shop or this is an awakening for her, but she doesn't struggle with it. She doesn't fight against it. She just goes with the flow. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that this is this is a pansexual film, which is incredibly ahead of its time, considering this was made in 2015, when I don't really remember people talking about pansexuality in 2015. No. And it's only seven years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that her only real moment of sort of outward questioning like she's obviously a very internalized character people keep saying to her therese Therese, like people keep saying to therese like what are you thinking like even carol says what are you thinking i asked for the third time today kind of thing um Mm. the only moment we get with therese questioning anything is when she talks to richard who's kind of her boyfriend but it's the 50s so it's all a bit sort of like nothing said and done until we're married kind of thing um yeah so she's she kind of says to him oh have you have you ever loved a boy and then he's sort of like, well, no, don't be so silly. Um, have you ever loved a girl? And she's like, well, no, obviously. But she clearly has started to have these feelings for Carol. And she's obviously questioning. Well, that's the, I don't know if she's questioning about herself. I, I think she might be testing the waters of what 
the people around yeah. her might think. I, I don't necessarily think that's her trying to think, oh, well, hang on, am I a homosexual? Am I a lesbian? Yeah. I, I read that as her trying to understand what people around were going to think if she was to reveal that, you know, she's met this lady in the toy shop. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, and that is a really interesting aspect of the film, I think, because I, it really does ring true where you're, when you have feelings for somebody and you realise it's you know, somebody of the same gender, that to you is thrilling um, and exciting and you kind of want, just want to be around that person all the time and it's, it's nothing to yeah. be ashamed of. But the shame clearly comes through how people might perceive how you're feeling about that person and so yeah it's interesting how she's sort of like asking is this okay in a grander sense of things rather than is it okay that i'm feeling this way like that's the extent of her her questioning similar to the characters in a single man there's a societal pressure here yeah as well and this is this is 10 years before a single man as in when the stories are set um but has it always been different for or was it especially back in the time when it was still legal to be a gay man it's it's like historically it was different for lesbians i think because it wasn't really seen as a a real thing um you know so yeah it was never given any legitimacy no, exactly. there was never any but it was still probably you know it goes against the societal norms and one of the the things that i was thinking about was how does this film break gender norms oh yeah massively it's really interesting because obviously we talked about in the single man episode we talked about how there's always the wronged party so in a gay man's life there may be a woman who was in love with him and she's sort of a tragic figure Mm. and in this film we get two sort of tragic partners but they're men so we have therese's boyfriend ish richard and we have carol's husband um it's called haig it's got an unusual name is that horde, horde or something? yeah who Herge. he's, he's played play by carl chandler he's been he's moved out they've basically split up for all intents and purposes they have that they, they live separate lives but he's obsessed with this idea of reuniting the family and and living this perfect picket white picket fence life that is expected of you in in that time and so this is a really interesting subversion um, but I think they behave differently to the way we've seen women in that role. I don't know if you feel that, if you felt that. Mm. Well, I don't know. If we, I mean, if we're if we're looking at Charlie from last week's episode, Charlie in A Single Man, she's quite bolshy and she's quite aggressive in her uh, her behaviour towards George, where you know she doesn't take his sixteen year relationship with Jim seriously and she still thinks that on some level that her and george are going to end up together horge is he's really quite frustrated and and and, and aggressive in his in, in his assistance that or his belief that him and carol are going to get back together you know we you know you were the most beautiful woman in the in the mm. the room that night mm. well tell your mother yeah. you know and you know he he you know, either he doesn't want to face the fact or he can't face the fact that he has not only lost his wife, he's losing his wife potentially to another woman, which 
completely harms his masculinity oh, yeah. and the 50s idea of a mask you know that the 50s idea of 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 what it means to be a man you know he says to abby at one point my wife is my responsibility and it's as if carol is his property as if his his worth as a man is quantified by how well he takes care of his wife and his wife for all intents and purposes is completely self-sufficient. She doesn't need yeah. him. Who knows what she does for, she for a job? She doesn't need him at she all. She doesn't need him, financially at least. <laughs> well, she's just, I mean, she's spending all, all that, she does nothing but spend yeah. money. Yeah. And she looks amazing. Those costumes by Sandy Powell, amazing. Oh, this film is just a style just, dream. But again, like the sing, like a single man, it's not style for style sense, you know, mm. um, it, it's really, you know, Sandy Powell is, is phenomenal at this. She understands the characters and you can just tell what the character is or who the character is just by looking at those costumes. Yeah. You know, Carol is wearing those um, those broad uh, blazer suits yeah. with the short with the with the um with the skirt she's not wearing flowery mm. debutante dresses with frilly uh little like gloves that look like they've been made out yeah. of doilies yeah. she's wearing she's wearing quite hard yes. edge lines and if you look right? at her waist she's constantly in pain because she's been cinched to the gods, as they say. She's been absolutely cinched well, to hell. And she she looks... I can do that. She looks sort of like in pain, like rigid, you know? Like she's physically holding herself together. Yeah, yeah, we all do that. <laughs> you know, I look like a sausage when I do that. Um, but it's great that they got Kate Blanchett to play her because Kate Blanchett has this brilliant, very beautiful, but masculine yeah, face. She does. Compared to, say, that someone like a... Um, like Kate a Claire Foy. Or, or a Kate Winslet yeah. you know when you when you see Kate Blanchett in interviews she's very playful yeah. she's very laid back but she has she can turn it on she has a very hard edged look and she does it in what the hell was the name of the film it's Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley yeah. she's similar era and similar dressed character she just has like so much presence like she's just the act she's an actor who the second she steps into a scene you can't take your eyes off her and that's true oh, you can't from this up to doing silly kitty stuff like the house with a clock in its walls um you know she's just got that gravitas that draws you in you can't look away and it helps that therese is played by um what's her name Rooney mara <laughs> Rooney mara who plays her very low status carol's very high status you know the back is straight the chin is out she's a very proud woman rooney mara her character uh therese is very insular mm. so there's a great that you know they are the flip of the same coin those two there's a foil there but talking about the you know the, the gender ideas carol wears clothes that five ten years previously would have been considered very masculine almost shocking you know in the 30s when women started to wear or in the 20s and 30s when women started to wear trousers it was considered indecent yeah and i'm pretty sure carol would have been there wearing those trousers she drinks beer from a bottle yeah who in the 50s as a woman would do that you put your wine or your sherry in a glass yeah. she's she's wanting a doll for her daughter but she ends up buying a toy train set mm. 
for the daughter. Yeah. And you never actually get to see how the daughter feels about that, which is kind of like, a, it's almost like um, Chekhov's gun, where you're sort of waiting for yeah. this gun to go off. It never does. <laughs> well, there was a sequel planned, yeah. which was set on the train set, a bit like the end of Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't they couldn't get the funding. But also a, re- a lesbian relationship is counter to white picket fences and 2.4 children, a man and a woman. Mm. It's completely, you know, how are they, in the same way that George and Jim would live an openly secret life, Carol would have to live an openly secret life with whoever she ends up with. And the fact that she's got kids mixed into it. I mean, it's, it's weaponized against her, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's completely weaponized. The domestic roles... Well, the, the, the idea of, the you know, the, the traditional domestic role is weaponized against her. Like her husband threatens mm. to take sole custody of the daughter because she's not seen as mentally stable because she doesn't want to be part of this um, nuclear family. So, yeah, she's absolutely disrupting the narrative of middle class white America in the, in the 50s. And she doesn't unravel. She, she, you know, she has a moment of emotional vulnerability across the table from her ex or her husband when he's basically saying I'm going to take the kid and she has that fantastic speech where finally you see the hurt behind this sort of amazingly immaculate exterior that she has and it's so powerful but she doesn't go into like a histrionic kind of um you know monologue I mean it is a monologue but it's not histrionic <laughs> she just it's not it's not overly melodramatic yeah. Exactly. I wrote down that this is the most hopeful scene. You know, she's standing up for herself. She steps out of Herge's sort of manipulative control that he suddenly had over her. And this is this is her reclaiming her authenticity. Yeah, and it's also her standing there quite literally saying, I'm a good person, you're a good person. What well, Doesn't she say something like, we're not... Um... We're not ugly, We're not people. ugly people. Yeah, exactly. So, no. But that's fascinating because they so perfectly fit the image of the beautiful, wealthy middle class. But, mm. they, but because they have broken that down, that doesn't necessarily mean they aren't still, you know, beautiful people, um, which is what he's sort of trying to tar her with. Um, but do you think it's a happy ending? Because the ending sort of suggests that Carol and Therese are going to potentially end up together. So is it a happy ending or is it a case of mutually assured destruction? Well, I think it's, I think we're left thinking it's going to be happy. And I do hope it's happy for Therese's sake. Yeah. Because, you know, Carol could move on and she could be with Abby. She could be with anyone. Therese, if this is Therese's first same-sex relationship or same-sex infatuation or even just the first time she's allowed herself to act on feelings maybe she's had before and never acted on them i think a breakup or a letdown would hit therese Mm. harder oh yeah yeah definitely well it's interesting how she kind of has changed by the end you know when she sits across the table from carol when they have that encounter at the the ritz whatever it is she has got some curls in her hair now She's wearing a very smart top with, I think, a necklace. Um, she started to slightly... She's got money. Hmm? She's got money. She, she, she's got her, her photography job at the paper, hasn't she? She's mm. not working in the toy shop. So she's able to, you know, before then, she's dressed a bit drab. She's not fashionable in the slightest. But then by the end, she's got the photography job and she's wearing 
a blazer mm. like Carol. Yeah. So there's the influence of Carol shown to us via the costumes. Yeah. What a, what a genius little Easter egg, I guess. But then you kind of have to say, is Carol still interested in her if she isn't this sort of like naive little person who's sort of like discovering her identity? You know, because it ended with the Abby, um, Sarah Paulson, who's amazing in this as well. Um, yeah, Abby. So it ended with Abby and Abby kind of says, you know, these things do happen. But like Carol clearly has a type, um, you know, Abby and, and Therese look very, very similar. Um, but so does I don't know if, if that's an insidious thing or if that's just, a, you know, a, a stated fact. You know, is she going to end up doing the same thing to Therese that we are sort of led to believe possibly happened with Carol and Abby? Um, or is this a different scenario now because she's free of her husband she's living her own authentic life now is is it like abby 2.0 it can work this time i hope so because otherwise otherwise the 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 arc of the film is all for nothing yeah, yeah. i agree i completely agree I, it is. I just there was something this time when i was watching it where i was just a bit like carol she's interested in in therese that's clear but carol also seems like quite a, a narcissistic person you know, the first time that she sees Therese naked, she says, well, I never looked like that. It's not about <laughs> Therese, it's about Carol. Isn't that a roundabout way of complimenting someone? <laughs> yeah. That's more of a, an age gap thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I never looked like that. <laughs> yeah. As if to say, you look amazing. I look like a dumpy egg. <laughs> she didn't look like a dumpy egg. Actually, the, the no, most... me. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> Carol, me. <laughs> The most shocking part, I think, in the film, actually, is when you see Carol out of her battle gear, when she just got out of the shower and her hair is wet. She's got the the dressing gown on and it looks like a completely different person. Mm. It's just like a really like a loaded moment where you're like, there's the real Carol. And she's kind of let Therese see her, basically, even though she hasn't let her in the room. She doesn't let her sort of she doesn't sit around looking like that but she has let her see her well does this connect to last week's episode again where george in the single man is um is basically saying along the lines of it takes time to become george in the morning so is carol's way of dealing with this fractured life that she leads is her way of dealing this by appearing as this successful strong independent Mm. high status woman oh yeah yeah because then no one has any cause to question her you know you don't you don't open yourself up to that by being perfect you're sort of untouchable but she has these really interesting um, mannerisms like she flips her hair you know it's all it's kind of it's posy a little bit i guess like is she sort of like trying to play this part of you know, regal, almost regal sort of femininity, flipping her hair around. Maybe she just likes flipping Maybe her hair. Just, I mean, I get to do like that. Like Willow Smith. You get to do yeah. that. Whip your hair back and forth. <laughs> hair back and forth. Um, I love the visual style of this film. I love that ordinarily films set in the 1950s would have this warm, soft, happy glow to it, especially in suburbia. But here we are faced with a, a cold, really cold tone mm. where colours are muted and 
even the reds that are popping are muted and it was shot on 16 millimeter film by edward lackman who is uh todd seemed to be todd haynes go-to dop his cinematographer he shot far from heaven mm. which is not too dissimilar to this yeah. this is like far from heaven the sequel yeah, or the flip side he also shot the virgin suicides you can see the the connection kind of dreamy there. dreamy look a dreamy period mm. look Aaron Brockovich. Oh, one of my favourites. One of your favourites. We did that on episode, um, recent... what was that? Back in the day? Season one. But what I love is that the visual style of this film isn't taken from films. It's taken from the street photographers at the time. So people like Ruth Orkin, uh, Esther Bubbly, Helen Levitt, and especially Vivian Mayer oh. and Saul Leiter. Yes. They're... Their photography, especially, I'm, I'm very familiar with Vivian Mayer and Saul Leiter, and I love Saul Leiter's work. I went to see an exhibition of, he was, he, I mean, he's dead now, but his images, some of his images were part of an exhibition at the Helmut Newton in Berlin. It's, I think it's such a brilliant idea to take the, the visual cues from the time in order to recreate the period that you are setting your film yeah. in. Because again, like the idea of George in a single man with that image of Jim, after a while, our memories are connected to the photography that we have. Mm. So, you know, whenever I teach street photography, my students would always say, oh, my stuff isn't as good as the stuff from the 50s. And I say, no, it, it probably is just as good, but what you're not factoring in is the nostalgic yeah, factor exactly. images in the 50s and 60s and maybe even the early 70s all the way back to the 30s and the 20s and the 40s it's like an alien time yeah. because they dress differently it's pre-digital it's pre you know it's even pre like proper analog that we grew up with you know they didn't have vcrs in the 50s mm. you know i love i love how uh, at one point Carol opens the fridge and it's like a handle. Oh, I love that pull. fridge. Then the door opens. And you have to click right? it back to close. It's not as well. just to click it back, right? Even just things like that. But the imagery just informs so much of our relationship with the past. Mm. And that's what they've tapped into here. But in a really cold way that matches the emotion. It is a really gorgeous, uh, pure cinematic visual storytelling experience. Mm. I've, I absolutely, I really, really love this film. And the fact that it's everything so subtle and so calm. There's no, you know, there's one, there's no, you know, the courtroom scene, not the courtroom scene, but the negotiation scene where she says we're not ugly people. That's that's the action set yeah. of the film. And it it's quite cool that that's a creation for the film. Uh, the book was adapted by Phyllis. Yeah. Now it's either Nagy or Naj, yeah. right? Who is a queer writer and she was friends with Patricia Highsmith, right? So she she adapted the book, but the book is from Therese's point of view only. Yeah. So we only get to experience Carol via Therese's thoughts. Mm. So any scene that in this film that is just Carol without Therese there is a uh, is is brand new to the mm. film. I think that's the right choice that this film is. I mean, it's called Carol for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> it has to be about, it has to be about Carol. Yeah. Right. And it's Therese's relationship to Carol, but it's just as much Carol's relationship to Therese around that time. When we get that 
that negotiation scene, Therese is out of the film for like 15 minutes. Mm. She doesn't come back in until we realise, oh, she's a photographer now. Yeah. And yeah, it's an interesting choice because I guess dramatically Carol's thread in that in that period is most interesting. Whereas Therese's sort of dramatic thread there is she gets a good job. She kind of grows up a bit. It's not particularly interesting. You don't you don't need to see the minutiae of that happening. You can understand that it has happened. She buys a jacket. Buys a jacket. She buys a jacket. Gets a haircut. Amazing yeah. wigs in this film. I'm I'm pretty good at wig spotting, but I didn't guess that those they were both wearing wigs, but they are. What Herge? <laughs> Carol. Carol and um... Oh, I thought you said Herge was wearing no. a wig. Was the oh, fridge wearing know. a wig? I, I think the fridge was wearing a wig. Yeah, absolutely. Fridge wig. Definitely fridge wig. <laughs> I do think the thing that you said earlier about how it's an alien landscape, that that kind of also comes through in what actually happens in their relationship you know it feels quite chaste because it it was the 50s you know they don't just roll into bed immediately Mm. they even sleep in the same room a couple of times before they actually um get together properly so i think the film yeah it's almost an hour before they're they're knocking their uh, socks or whatever they call (laughs) it knocking socks (laughs) i don't know what it's called (laughs) yeah so it's kind of i do love the way it does adhere to that time period on sort of numerous levels and so it gives it kind of stakes it's it's sort of like are they actually ever going to do anything and then obviously when they do it is um there's that big dramatic moment where carol grabs the gun and there's some guy recording them oh yeah the um salesman the riddler yeah the riddler from is that him yeah that's him he's really good because he was really annoying when he was being like the galumphing kind of salesman and then he was really sinister oh yeah I mean, two, basically two different performances, goofy and a bit flirty to this is just my job. Yeah. Hey, lady, this is just my job. Um, Where does this sit in the annals of 21st century queer cinema? I think it's up there. I think there hasn't been a sapphic um, movie in since this one maybe maybe i mean ammonite i love with kate winslet and um saoirse ronan just explain sapphic to anyone who's listening that doesn't understand oh i don't sapphic. know the origins of the word but it just basically means um female lesbians females um yeah ammonite is is be- female lesbians <laughs> <laughs> yes no male lesbians around here i just don't think there's been anything that has been quite as high profile as this you know it got oscar nominated um, it was everywhere yeah. you went, posters everywhere. Um, and nothing has quite done that again since for sort of like sapphic stories, apart from maybe on TV where there was um, Gentleman Jack and we've obviously had like things like Killing Eve, which I hear is sapphic. I've not mm. actually seen it. I've only seen bits of our Gogglebox. Oh, okay. <laughs> the best way to watch yeah. lots of things. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I've never watched an episode of Made in Chelsea, yeah. but I've seen bits through Gogglebox and that's enough to make me realise... I don't want, ever want exactly. to see an episode of Made in Chelsea. Um, the thing about Ammonite is, loved it, but it is very cold. So I understand why it maybe didn't connect with a wider audience. Hmm. This, although shot quite cold, there is a emotional warmth to it. And I think that is the heart of the film. That's where it wins. That's where, you know, I think that's why it connects. Yeah, I don't know. I... 
I really, really love this film, but at the same time, watching it this time around, it's so restrained sometimes. And, it, you know, we're not used to that nowadays as viewers, I don't think, especially, and this is incredibly sexist, but I think that when you have scenes between two women and the the emoting is so subtle and they're supposed to be in love, you know, it, it's a, a quite a, a sort of a, it's an incongruous thing that's going on. It's very subtle. So there's a part of me that kind of wished there there was more sort of like fire and, and you know, outward outward um, expression of emotion. Um, but I think it would be doing the film a massive disservice if there was. So I just need to get over it, basically. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't fit in with Therese's character. Yeah. You know, if, if, if Carol was to be over the top, very fiery, that would make Therese shrink mm. even more. And it would it would be like pouring water on something very hot yeah just turns to steam do you so this is like a bit of a weird question but do you know what i mean when i talk about the look the look the look what the... and is it something that straight people do as well because i obviously don't have any experience of this but oh you're talking about the look where you it's, it's like an unspoken sense yeah. where you go i know you're gay you know i'm gay and do we fancy each other maybe that's signal yeah. to each other that you have someone near you. Um, I think that ties into a question that that I have. Could Carol sense Therese? Could she sense the queerness? Mm. Because, you know, they see each other over the, the shop floor. Yeah. It's not like Carol just happened to be speaking to Therese. She went up to her. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how um, the the order that plays out in because Therese sees Carol first. So Therese is actually mm. giving Carol the look. And so what the Carol eye. reacts to is the look um, across the shop floor. And it's it's such, oh my God, Kate Blanchett is so such a fucking good actress. <laughs> she, and she's not even like, <laughs> I'm acting right now. It's just like, she's so good. Where her face, her eyes, it's all in the eyes, isn't it? I think there was that, somebody mm. once said that, the best acting you can tell what somebody's thinking through their eyes and like that is just Kate Blanchett basically oh 100% she would win an Oscar even if she was in a film where she was only wearing a burqa (laughs) what (laughs) because it would just be her eyes poking out (laughs) okay I thought you said a bird coat I didn't understand what you were talking about Directed by Todd Haynes. Joshua, give us a clue as to what's coming up on the next episode. Don't feel like dancing, dancing. But we do feel like dancing, because we're going dancing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast, and wherever you get your pods from, so you don't miss that episode. Joshua. We're on Twitter, at TornStubsPod. Come let us know what you thought of Carol. We are off to leave our gloves in a toy shop. My gloves. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Josh Winning. Cut. <laughs>